This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This week, we are doing an audience pick, which will be Cinderella, to see if our nostalgia is warranted. So first of all, let's give a shout out to Aaron Payne, who suggested this on our Facebook. Um, thank you for suggesting it. We love more suggestions from all of our listeners for some later episodes. But uh, since this is... Nobody here brought it forward. I decided to volunteer, and I will be doing the 60-second synopsis of the plot. <laughs> no one so else if one of to you, do it. Yeah, nobody else volunteered, and it has to be I, done. I think it was your uh, turn anyway. Maybe it was, but it wouldn't be my pick. Anyway, so <laughs> no, Mark, why don't you bring turn. up a clock? I'm gonna turn it's going to be one of our turns for time. sure. Yes, thank you for not having an alarm that sounds like your phone is self-destructing. That one? Yeah, that, that in fact, is the one I was talking about, yes. Okay. All right, give me a countdown and let's go. Three, two, one, go. Cinderella is living with her stepmother and two stepsisters who, after her father died, squander all their family's money and now force her to be the family servant and wait on that Hammond foot. Meanwhile, the king is throwing a ball to celebrate the prince's return, though not so secretly trying to marry him off to get grandchildren. All the eligible women in the kingdom are invited, and Cinderella wants to go, and her stepmom agrees as long as she gets all of her chores done and finds something to wear to ensure she doesn't go. The stepfamily overloads her with chores, making it impossible to make her dress. Her animal friends step in and make her a gown just in time for her to go. The stepsisters notice the dress is made of their discarded garments and rip it to shreds, leaving her alone. Distraught Cinderella is visited by her fairy godmother, who whips her up a carriage, a footman, a driver, and a dress for the evening at the ball. Cinderella meets the prince and falls in love but at midnight she flees leaving only a glass slipper behind desperate to find her again the king sends his duke with a slipper to the test the feet of the woman who attended the stepmother locks cinderella in a tower but her animal friends intercede to get her out just in time as she is about to test the shoe her mother breaks it but cinderella produces its pair uh proving she is the one film ends with cinderella's wedding to the prince oh <sighs> just in time you have one <sighs> second left Oh, goodness gracious. I also toyed with the idea of just saying it's Cinderella. We all know this storyline. Uh, but let's get into long form. I liked how you said he was testing the feet of the women, and I heard the fetal women. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he wants to marry a baby. Anyway, uh, so let's get into long form. What did you guys see as adults that you missed as children? This is another one of those uh, that we talked about before where the mice can talk and none of the other animals do. I did look up yeah. trivia and apparently the rest were supposed to talk, but it got cut out. Apparently the horse okay. and the dog were even supposed to have a song together, but it just Oh, didn't. that would have been adorable. But it doesn't exactly explain why the birds can't talk. They I mean, they come in and they help her, but like... Another thing I noticed here, especially with the mice, is that the mice are wearing clothes. Now they're animals wearing clothes, which in another story is fine. Mice just wear clothes in this universe. 
But no, they capture Gus Gus at the beginning of the movie, and he's not wearing clothes at all, meaning Cinderella is forcing these mice to wear clothing. I don't think they're forced. I think they are fine. Well, is she she then enchanting them so that, I don't know, they're more human-like in some way? Maybe it just Mm. makes them warmer. Maybe it's very cold in this house. It's because she can tell them apart. It's true, because all of the mice except Gus Gus is the only one that looks different. How Even do you mean? It's, he's fat. All of the male mice look like, what is, is <laughs> oh, it Jack? Okay. Jock? Jock. Jack, Jock. yeah, or Jack. They, they all look the same. They all look like skinny male mice, and all the female mice look the same. The only one that looks different is Gus Gus, and it's because he's a little fatty. He's an adorable <laughs> little fatty, but I and I love him, but. Now, I wanted to talk about his name she gives him is Octavius. How does that shorten to Gus? I've um, never understood that. This is actually is a weird what they assume is it's a roman history fact it was the emperor um augustus his another name he went by was octavius interesting so is this a translation error for the movie from the original text no i think never addressed no i think it's just a weird roman history Like, a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, maybe yes, someone... that Cinderella would be aware of, because of course she's studying while doing all someone of her chores. Someone who wrote the script had to take Latin as a child, and he's like, I'm going to throw this random trivia in, and no one's going to pay attention that much to it, but except for that Carl, can he ruined it. <laughs> yeah, it was, well, I, I have always everything. wondered that too, though. I, I never took the time to look it up, but it's a I joke for the Latin kids. And so let <laughs> the them Latin have it. kids. They get the very kids few of jokes. that dead language. And my sister took Latin. People take it. I don't know why. Sure. It's yeah. Though while we're on the subject of the mice, I want to talk about their voices because mm-hmm. they're doing something that is very common in older animation, where they're instead of a person doing a voice, they're taking a voice and they're speeding it up, much like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yes. And I can barely understand these mice, and sometimes they have like long monologues without a break in between and i have no idea what they're saying and jock just talks funny anyway he 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 repeats himself a lot and he says words that don't exactly make sense he just says them so i don't understand and this is like actually quite a ways down on my notes thing yeah is he does a letter switch that i have only heard people do people who are learning english from japanese and it's switching the letter L for the letter R. And he does it hmm. for Lucifer. He calls him, like, what, Rusif- Rusif- yeah. Lucifer? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Why is he doing that? I don't know. Like, it might be is the characterization, the like, he, he has a on, lisp or I, something. I think so, but it was... It's, it's a very strange thing, and it's a very weird choice to make if your character can barely be understood in the first place well, he also making him harder to understand he yeah. also doesn't call the cat lucifer it's always Lucifer. yeah never that's an R at the end. yeah maybe he's talking in that weird language of a clockwork orange oh. <laughs> but, where it's that weird cockney meets russian slang I know that for a lot of people, the mice are their least favorite part of this movie. Ag- and, agreed. And I don't actually mind them that much. I think Gus I Gus is adorable. Either. I love him. I think him like constantly spilling things and having to like have these giant piles of them is adorable. But I could probably use about 30% less talking from them. 
I feel like I, when I was a kid watching it, the mice were probably my favorite part, but they they spend, I mean, they get a lot of screen time. They do. So they I do think that's really just the thing They do have a really good song, though. See. Yes. I do like the song when they're making the dress, but Cindy, I would agree with Mark that they get a lot of screen time. And in fact, they're kind of the heroes mm-hmm. of the film. Because Cinderella, her, really, her hero ability is just maintaining good face in the face of adversity like she is in- incredibly nice despite what is happening to her she and is, like but she she's a not she is like a hundred percent hufflepuff where she's like perseverance through everyone being awful but everything the mice do oh yeah because they do the key that's the one thing they yeah yeah dress, so she succeeds help. through the interference of the mice and the interference would... of the fairy godmother no she does very say, little on her own i will say the three heroes of this movie are the mice the fairy godmother and the grand duke because the prince doesn't <laughs> do anything either he's too. gone no. for most of the movie oh i have a note on the prince that he is all like the personality and characterization of a defunct ken doll i i will say it's, it's something very common of these really early disney things and i think it was they're very short they're not very super long movies and they're mm-hmm. coming from old fairy tales and especially this was oh shoot it's What's his face? Did the, uh, so did they listed uh, Charles Perrault? Is that what you mean? Yes. So this okay. is the one they're basing off of, and others they based off Grimm's. And if you read the original stories from these, like I read a million Grimm's, I've read Perrault and mm-hmm. stuff like that, they're very, very basic. The characters yeah. don't have personalities. They're morality tales. They're this happens, this happens, good things happen to the heroes, bad things happen to bad things. So you're having where it's very short, basic stories, and very short movies. And I don't think in these very early ones, they necessarily had as much time or it wasn't really what they wanted to do to, to really, really super expand on the story. I think they were trying to tell a fairly straightforward adaptation of the fairy tales. And in that way, which the characters in the fairy tales had literally no personality, at least they gave them something. And it wasn't, I think, until the Renaissance when they're really like, okay, I think the character personality should be the forefront as much as right. anything. Cause yeah, so... I don't know if Charles Perrault did this, but I, I did go back and read the Grimm's fairy tale uh, of Cinderella. Would that be Ashen um, I, I don't know what that is, but um, it's, it's Cinderella, my point but it's is, German. I see. The Grimm's version of Cinderella has very significant differences from this one, and oh, yeah, it's very Disney-fied in that like, they're taking out all the body horror, uh, they're removing, like, not all of the evil, but like all of the really weird stuff that would frighten a kid and making it more like okay, more family friendly. Her fairy friendly. godmother is actually the spirit of her dead mother in a tree, and the, yeah. the stepsisters oh. lose various body parts, yeah, they lose toes and heels, and they get their eyes pecked out. Oh, and like the that. fact that Cinderella is just called Cinderella, and that's not a mean nickname. In the one I read, I don't know if it was Grimm's, but the Ashen mm-hmm. Puddle, it is a nickname. It's Oh, in this yeah. one. In this one, in this it, one it is, it's her actual it's name. Yes. Because it, it's yeah, Cinders. So, and yes. <laughs> so she, so in the Grimm's fairy tale, they take away everything, including her bed, meaning she has to sleep on this cold in, ground. And so to survive the night, she, she has to sleep fireplace. in front of the fireplace and she's covered in ash constantly. Yes. So the other one, which is why is she gets the Ashen horrible Puddle. nickname. It's, yeah. it's where it's Cinders, it's Ash in Puddle. Hmm. Pretty I get sure it. it's German. I so see it, it is the same there. thing. It's just different language. Yeah, but it's definitely like the Disney fire no. of this classic. I think tale. we should all thank Disney for that because 
Yeah. Jeez uh, well, Louise. I feel like a lot of the earlier movies, uh, I mean, this one was a while after Snow White, so they had progressed mm-hmm. a bit. Um, but a lot yeah, of them were more 15, about was... the animation and the artwork of it and then yes. the story a bit more so than the character development. So it was just, let's find a good story and turn it into a movie that people will like to watch and make it really artistic. And something that's like a children's tale that you don't really have to expand a whole lot on because probably people were read this story at bedtime anyway, so it's something they know. Mm-hmm. So they could focus on more of the pretty songs and right. the beautiful animation and things like that. You didn't really have it. It's more a Renaissance thing to have more of you need a story, and it's it's just kind of changing in times and stuff. So it doesn't bother me that they're flat characters, but mm-hmm. yeah, the prince literally is in what two scenes? Yeah, he has like barely any dialogue whatsoever. <laughs> Like, they meet, and they don't talk, and they just start dancing, well, and apparently they fall in love, because fairy tale. My assumption is that they talk later during that montage where they don't explicitly talk, but I mean, like, they're wandering over the grounds. So they had to talk during that time. I think it's... The assumption is they're talking during that time, they just didn't want to write dialogue. They'd rather have this right. pretty, like, montage of them walking over the bridge and walking through the trees. Well, yeah, this is, this is the point of the night where the Duke is describing how impractical the king's aspirations were. And he's saying, um, wouldn't it be nice if this was more like a fairy tale? And, and he it, starts narrating what is actually going on between the prince and Cinderella. <laughs> the, the Grand Duke might be one of my favorite characters. I find yes. him oh, really funny. Poor, he I is great. I have a little problem with the king. Mm. <laughs> the king is... So the king is like one of those zany kings who is eccentric and he's super powerful so nobody questions him but the amount of physicality he has with the duke where at like one point the duke is perched on his desk trying to get away from him and the king is like slowly doing <laughs> the butterfly across the desk to get to him it was just a little creepy in that how comfortable he was with his servant. Well, and besides well, that, how servant. pushy I mean, he is about getting his son married, which I suppose is, not, is a thing in a lot of yeah. these fairy tales. But he's like, but oh, but he has to get married. We're going to force him to meet all these women just so that he can pick one. But I do kind of like in the fact that he didn't care who that woman was. And he didn't care, like, once the prince picked out this person he liked to want to talk to. In, like, other things where they've had the situation, it was like, well, you have to stay, you have to meet all of the eligible women. But the king's like, yeah, just go off go off with that lady. Like, I don't care who she is. You found a lady you like, just, that's fine. Go have yeah. fun, kids. Okay. Because his goal sure, is cool. not to have, like, a marriage of opportunity. He's already yeah. wealthy enough. He just wants grandchildren immediately. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> But I will go back to, the duke is not his servant. It is his advisor, because he is a grand right. duke. Is, all right, fair he has enough. Nobility. Yeah, okay, but he's still an yeah, underling. Probably even less so, he should be attacking the Grand Duke. Yeah, exactly. They're probably related in some way. I remember the Duke being one of the parts of this movie that, as a kid, we used to laugh at every time and we would quote mm. it to each other just to uh, make each other laugh. But it's the part where he's mocking the king. Because the king, is, when, when something, and he says, oh, well, once, if anything happens, notify me immediately. And he walks away and the duke starts making fun of him. Notify me immediately. And then he comes back and, and interrupts him, his mocking. And the yeah. duke, like, jumps out of his chair. And that was the part that, for some reason, we thought was hilarious. We used to quote it all the time. 
Yeah, I mean, the Duke is great. He's got great physical humor. I think the mice are also great in this physical humor. They do a lot of, like, uh, running around the kitchen with the cats. They do yeah. kind of, like, vaudeville antics where they're doing, like, During... the um, the three-card Monty with the, the cups with the mice and the cat. Uh, um, there was another gag that I loved, which is when they were drawing straws to see oh, who was going to whip the cat. Yeah, where they all come together and they link their tails and he picks one and it happens to be his own tail and he has to go out there and face the cat. Serves him right. <laughs> <laughs> that um, um, You mentioned the the part with the saucers and the cups in the kitchen. Yeah. So that was one of the other parts that we always used to make fun of because so my younger sister would get us in trouble a lot if we did stuff that she didn't like. And there were times that she might get hurt or start crying. And so our thing oh. was always to remember the, how crazy the cat was and try to make her laugh before she went to mom and dad to get us in trouble. So we always tried to mimic the cat's face because he keeps picking up the cups trying to find the mouse and then right. the cups get moved. So he picks them up again and then they get moved again. So he picks up all three of them and there isn't a mouse under underneath any of them and he like freaks out and runs around. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a part that my sister always laughed at. So anytime that she was in a bad mood, we would try to make that face just to make her feel better. Oh, <laughs> it's a very sweet um, story. Going back to... A lot earlier. There's a lot of interesting foreshadowing in this this movie because right at the very beginning, as she's singing, yeah, the clock goes off and she oh, she yells at the clock. She's like, "Oh, you, something kill about joy. that the yeah, killjoy." Oh yes, like, the killjoy clock. Because it means she has to go to work, and and she gets mad at it. And later, when at during the cup scene, when she's bringing up the tea. She loses a shoe and mm -hmm. has to go back and grab this shoe and go back up. Oh, see, I missed that. Yeah. So it's oh, things no, that happen really later great. that she just happens while she's getting ready through her day. Also, yeah, we cause... haven't talked about my, well, two of my favorite characters. All right. Bruno or, the dog. Of course. <laughs> okay. Okay. I knew this was coming. <laughs> I love poor Bruno. Oh, yeah. Bruno is great, though he doesn't have a large part. He just comes at the very end to save her. He's just a nice little hound dog. And he likes to dream yeah. about eating the cat. <laughs> to be fair, I would want to. As, as much as I, I like Lucifer, I like Lucifer as a character. Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's kind of a bad guy because it's chasing the mice and causing trouble. But it's also just so sassy and funny about it. Like... Yeah, it's it's not that he's bad. It's just that he's been spoiled he's for all spoiled of his life. He's such a lazy cat. I mean, I they've got a whole colony of mice living there that he has never caught, and he's always just laying around somewhere when you see <laughs> yeah. him. So. so those are ones I think are really funny. That's because he learned from his master never to get out of bed. Like, every time Cinderella comes to wait on them, they are in their bedrooms doing whatever. I mean, once, one time, they're in, like, the piano room practicing terrible music. <laughs> I have a note here that, like, the stepsisters suck at everything. Yes. I like, <laughs> it's not that they're mean to Cinderella and it's justified in any way. They're just mean and they're horrible and it's because they're jealous at her being good at something. Um, I wrote down that I wanted to know what... Lady Tremaine's first husband was like, if like that's what the kids are like, because <laughs> I can only imagine. Well, it's got to be mostly Lady Tremaine, though, right? Because at the beginning of the movie, we see Cinderella crying at her dad's bed, and we see the the two daughters at her side, and they're fairly young, meaning that like 
the first marriage, they're probably not raised too much. But like they're, I mean, and I know it's the the way they draw it and they're exaggerating features, but like Lady Tremaine is fairly attractive. They make her like, she's older, but they don't make yeah. her unattractive. She's just cold and harsh. And yes, um, she's kind of more similar to like the evil queen where it's. Yes. Um, But her kids are like these goofy, ridiculous, round nosed people. And I'm like, who is their weird, goofy father? <laughs> Carl Probably about some them. rich man that she wasted all the money of. You talked about them being jealous. Yeah. And this gets slightly off topic. But for any of you who have been to Walt Disney World in Florida, mm. they have Cinderella's Castle there, which actually they do. I don't think looks much like the one from the movie. But <laughs> I don't even recall one in the movie. Um, yeah, they show yeah, it at one point. Yeah, it's the okay. one where the ball was. But it's... it's- they have a, a mosaic tall. inside the walkway inside the castle, and the sisters are specifically like the tiles on their faces are colored. So the one of them is green with jealousy, and the other one is red with anger. Oh, that's so a really neat. We touch. could probably find a picture of that somewhere. Well we done, Disney. It, I think Sarah is working on it, judging by the reflection in her glasses. <laughs> uh, well, I was trying probably. to find the one in the movie so I can see. Yeah, it doesn't look. Well, another discrepancy I saw is Cinderella's dress is traditionally shown as being blue, but in this movie, it's very white. There's almost no blue tint whatsoever to it. And I wonder if it was just blue stood out better when they did like, like product stuff. Like it was more eye catching than the silver. I'm trying to remember because I had a Barbie in the 90s that was Cinderella and it came with the dress. And I'm trying to remember if it was silvery or if it was more blue. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's more distinct if you see her next to the other princesses yeah. of this time. If you show her in like a light blue instead of a white. Yeah. But, but I, I'm curious why they did that and not have it blue in the movie at all. Maybe well, they the, didn't want all of the production like stuff came dress. later. Because remember, it's this came out. It was a good 40 years before they started doing like the Disney princess line. So that is this started in the 80s or 90s, and this came out in 1950. So, do you think it's more from Cinderella 2, uh, Dreams Come True, or Cinderella 3, A Stitch in Time? (laughs) Those don't exist. (laughs) I I bet the color change in those happened because of the products that come out like in the 80s and 90s. I think the original princesses became more popular when there was the Disney Renaissance and they started adding to the lines and they started bringing Rhea out these things. And I bet it was just, well, it, it pops more if we do it in the blue, let's change it in the blue. But I think in. In the art style of the art style of the Renaissance Disney, I think the the blue that they have looks really nice. I think in the art style of this one, where it's very almost watercolor and very soft, the silver blue is so pretty. Like the animation in this movie is gorgeous, and I love it, and I just want to stare at it constantly. I I agree with you, uh, though I have to say this story moved a lot slower um, than maybe not. Snow White, but definitely more than the the Renaissance. And so as beautiful as it was, I got a little bored with it because the beginning moves very quickly where it just sets the stage. Cinderella, father married this. He died. And now she's an adult being the servant of this family. And then it slows down really slow until like they make it to the ball. So... The story picks up near the end where, like, they're running around the shoe, but that long stretch in the middle, 
they they take a break from advancing the plot at all. And this is like where they focus on the mice and their interactions with the cat. And I'm wondering if that was to make it more child friendly to put in some of the fun little gag stuff instead of just having a prince and princess story. Um, I mean, you also then had the king and the duke kind of in the middle there talking about, you know, setting up why there is a ball and how the prince needs to get married. But a lot of the stuff in the middle was just like the animals or the sisters singing and Cinderella cleaning Mm -hmm. up the floor. Which I have to say, I love the bubble scene. Yes, let's get to the bubble scene. Okay, but this is real quick before then. It's also possible Snow White came out before then. That also had, it didn't have talking animals, but it had interacting animals. And maybe it was mm. like, oh, everyone really liked these interacting animals. Let's add more of them. I see. And have them Wait, talk. Getting to the bubble scene. Yes. This was my favorite scene in the movie where this is where they highlighted the animation. Oh, it's like, so cool. Where they have three or four Cinderella's on screen, like one watching and three in bubbles and the bubbles floating around and in they're all technicolor. slightly different colors because they're all reflecting at slightly different points in the bubbles. Mm-hmm. They also do a really... And it, it helps that this is yeah. also a, a, a daydream sequence mm-hmm. where you can put in more of the fantasy. You don't have to focus on the reality. This is Cinderella trying to get away from the reality of washing the floors and the... The colors and the fantasy of the animation that they throw in definitely reflects that. So this is also, they use a really cool audio in this one. And it's apparently, according to some of the stuff I read, one of the very first uses of layering harmonies. And so, because she has, it's it's Cinderella doing all the things and it's layered over top. So it's kind of like the bubbles are singing back to her in the different parts. And so it's all these different versions of Cinderella singing together. But apparently it's like it's one of the first or second times that was ever used. And it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so what I remember, like when it was in vogue, I think in the, the 90s for they started releasing like cells of mm-hmm. certain movies. They had one for Cinderella. And I remember specifically it coming from this scene because it was the most beautiful scene in the oh, movie. This there, There's a lot of scenes where it's just watching is great. This one's great. The garden scene is great. It's just gorgeous. Um, Typical cat fashion. Lucifer comes through and ruins it. Yes. Yes, he does. Uh, So before we move too far, I wanted to talk about you talking about Gus Gus gathering up all of his his food to try to get uh, away from the cat and get it back to the thing. What is he carrying? Is this corn? I I don't know what this is. It's corn. It kind of okay. looks like what she's tiny to the slices of cheese, too, is what I used to think. But I think it's kernels yeah. of corn. It's corn, because it's what she's feeding to the chickens as well. Okay, but I think she's also feeding it to the other farm animals. And I wonder if this was a fictional universe where every animal eats the same thing. Well, I just know because the chickens are, like, attacking them. Which mm-hmm. is actually, as someone who is not a chicken farmer but learned more about chickens recently... Or chicken scientists? Is that what the one I used the other time? Yes. Chicken scientists. Yes. <laughs> but I learned more about chickens recently. Chickens are real mean, and chickens mm-hmm. will, like, eat things. Like, mice will just, like, peck them to death and eat them. And so this oh. is this is possibly the most realistic scene in the movie where Gus gets attacked <laughs> by chickens. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I also had a note here where the... Um, when Lucifer is cornering one of the mice, uh, probably Gus Gus, on the table, he does a cat roar, 
and it sounds horrible. It doesn't resemble a cat roar at all. And I wonder if MGM had the rights to like all roars of lions and other people and cats. It's like Disney just could not afford a good sound effect for Lucifer. I have yeah, a note. I, I mean, it doesn't sound it like a cat. I don't really know what the roar sounds like, but it. I don't know. I was expecting the MGM lion roar, and it did not deliver. I guess to me, it would have made more sense to just be like a really loud meow instead of trying to sound like a large cat roar. But mm-hmm. well, I think they were trying to make him sound dangerous, probably. Or like the king of the kitchen is how I was thinking about it. I have a note and I, for the life of me, cannot remember what it's for. All right. What does it say? It says, love the book. <laughs> oh, the book at the beginning? No, because I have that written down that I love the old timey Disney credits that we can talk about at some point. Mm-hmm. But sure. it comes right after. It's It's got to take place in the king's office when they're talking about throwing the ball. Because the note right before it is talks about, it shows all the pictures of the princes. Oh, and I have yeah. written down that the prince's hair oh. changes color very fast. Also, <laughs> he looks like a weird old man in his baby picture. Because <laughs> he's just got the little tuft of hair at the top and sides. But he's a blonde in the first one. And then he's like dark brunette in the later ones. And I'm like, well, I, mean, that's, I, that I is, was blonde until I, know. I was like five. So my, my dad did that too. I just thought it, it's interesting to real life people have hair that changes like that. My hair changed from being dark when I was born to being blonde by the time I was like two. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's just a weird choice when you're animating it. Yeah. <laughs> normally you want them to look exactly the same no matter what age they are. So you have that direct lineation between the ages. Oh, I figured it out. It's not book. It's bookends. He has the little oh, bookends oh, that are like... They, the, they go the, together. Yeah. yeah that is like, like the milkmaid and the guy. And he. Put, I just thought they were really pretty. I thought they were cool. Yes. Did so to give context for this, they have bookends. With books in between them, with like, a, you were saying, a milkmaid and a farmer's child or some other guy. Yeah. Uh, and the king removes the books as he's talking about, you know, making a match for his son and puts the bookends next to each other. And it looks like they're swooning over each other or about to lean in for a kiss. It's a very nice While effect. we're in that scene, I think the king has like a trampoline in his bed. Uh, oh yeah. yes! No, that's later. That's later because it's when it he pulls is out later. the shoe. Oh yeah, it is yeah. later. And he but also still, it's in that his room. his nighty is a parachute. Yeah. <laughs> also, did anyone notice what the scream was when he cuts the chandelier and they both fall? Is that the Willem scream? No, no, no it's no. the goofy okay. scream. It is the goofy <laughs> scream. It's a woohoo! <laughs> as soon as I heard it, I'm like, are are they serious? All right, let's get to the dress scene where the mice are making a dress for Cinderella. So to give context to this, something that I forgot is that initially she just wants to wear this dress because it was her mother's and she just wants to spruce it up to make it acceptable to go to a ball. Yeah, well, she never mentions the prince at any point. Until very, very late in the story. All she wants to do is, oh, all eligible ladies are allowed to go. And she's like, I want to go to a ball. I want a pretty dress. Oh, I want to go. She she has a line, I'm so eligible. <laughs> yeah. But, like, she doesn't say, like, I want to go marry the prince. Because they're just like, I just want to go to the ball. Yeah, she just wants a night out from work to go dancing. <laughs> Please, can I wear this pretty pink dress? 
And and later on, she doesn't even know the guy is the prince, which is great. Yeah. Because she's, she's like, oh, I have to go. I have to meet the prince. And he's like, uh, what? <laughs> what? Uh, what? That's one of his two lines. Yeah. I just think it's really funny because she's like, and she doesn't learn later until he sends the proclamation. She's like, oh, that was the prince. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, the prince. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, so she's she's trying to just modern up her mother's dress. Yeah, and I love the mice, like, running around the dress and, like, all the stitching and, like, the fabric effects that they put into this. It is beautiful what they are doing in a scene that should freak me out because it's just vermin running up and down (laughs) her clothing. Um, The clothing wasn't on her at the time. One of the things they steal. That is true. From um, the stepsister's room is they steal some beads. They didn't, but they didn't steal. The sisters were throwing them Ye- away. Yes. yes. But they the, didn't they want take these. The they room. didn't see well, any no, use in they them. They definitely steal the buttons, though. But they steal these black <laughs> buttons because they pull they them do. right off they the corner. They do do that. Why are they stealing black buttons? This is a white and pink uh, dress. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, the only because. explanation <laughs> I have for it is that Gus and Jock tried to help. But the female rice had <laughs> yeah. told them that stitching is women's work. We need you to go get supplies or whatever. Oh, to be fair, I don't know. To be fair to them, I don't trust either of those men helping with the sewing. True. I would try to send yeah. them away on busy work too. Oh, I, feel like, I would not trust myself with sewing. Although I think it was more the the female mice being like, uh, yeah, we're going to do this. You guys go in another room and try not to get Were, were they getting those because they needed buttons, or was that just his tactic for sidetracking the cat? Because no, then, he then the cat came by, he did the, the tiddlywink thing and popped one of the buttons up into the cat's nose and ran away. <laughs> yes. You're right. He got the buttons... Because the cat had decided to sit on the beads, and the beads is what they really wanted. But he wasn't paying attention part of the time to the buttons, but he didn't need to, like, cut them all off and take all of them if he was just no, a distraction. No, he didn't. <laughs> also, it was a weird choice to grab the sash, or whatever it was, that then got sewed into the dress. You know what was interesting about that to me? So they mm-hmm. ran away from the cat Well, they were running across the room underneath the sash, pulling it behind them. They went underneath the ottoman thing that the cat was on, and like two seconds later, they came out the other side with the sash all rolled up, and they were inside running inside of the rolled up thing, and it was unrolling underneath them. So I don't know how they went from being underneath it, pulling it, to being all rolled mm-hmm. up inside. But Oh, that's cartoon magic, Mark. <sighs> the answer is always magic. It is. Especially on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> yes. I forgot, there is one other mouse that looks different. And it, he's used in the scene, and I love him. And he's a very tiny little baby mouse. And he's oh, sleepy, and yeah. he's in an oversized shirt. And he's trying to help pull down the rope to lift up the thread. And he gets raised up and is, like, float hanging from the thread because he's too light, and it's adorable. <laughs> and then there's, like, the twin mice. There's, like, the two of them that are dressed in the same clothes and look exactly the same. Yeah, I do not recall any sort of distinguination between the mice. I didn't watch the mice because they weren't that interesting to me and I couldn't understand them. (laughs) But one of the beautiful things about this scene is that it makes me care about a dress, something that I personally would not care about at all. And so, like, to see... Not only is this her mother's dress, 
her friends have put so much work into it. When the dress gets destroyed by the sisters later, I feel awful. Oh, it's a re- and and they animate this really well because everything's dark and fast moving and it's just mm-hmm. ripping. It is pretty like it's it's a kind of violent, crazy scene. Yeah, it's violent, and the fact that the the stepmother is just stone faced the entire time, and they just said, "Let's go, children." When they're done, oh, it's chilling. Followed by their like camel humps. <laughs> yes, they're wearing big butt dresses. Yeah, like those. Those are not bustles. Um, those are. I don't even know um, what those are. Uh, I what used is to that know thing that called? I I should I shouldn't know, but I think I used to. <laughs> Type uh, in butt hoop skirt. Is which like brings a, us. It's not a bustier thing. No, that's something. I thought your that boots. was on the chest. Yes. Yeah. That is on the chest. See? All right. Which brings us to another great scene with the fairy godmother, who I have to guess is like the laziest fairy, given that she shows up so late in the game in Cinderella's life. Like, this is her godmother. Presumably, she didn't just get assigned the job and has just been waiting this entire time, thinking, oh, she can take just a little bit more before I intervene. I was thinking, like, I don't remember, I mean, I guess she doesn't have the biggest role. I just remember her being seeming more important as a younger yeah. person. She's the one that comes in and saves the day, but it's. I was thinking the same thing you said, like, where has she been? <laughs> for the rest of her life and where does she disappear to after this like shouldn't yeah. she be more involved exactly what later in the film when cinderella gets locked in the tower it would be a great time to have a fairy godmother show up and unlock a door maybe she has a lot of clients but you know maybe, what maybe Sleeping she Beauty always had in charge three of fairy clothing. godmothers and they all took care of her for her whole life so uh yeah and she still gets she in still trouble and they don't make a great cake <laughs> or uh, a great dress <laughs> though and another thing i notice here like the fairy godmother shows up and it's a great scene where she's transforming everything but she gives cinderella like at max four hours of magic like she's waited her entire life of misery to show up and give her the one gift she's been waiting for her entire life oh wait there's a time limit on it and it's not super long how late does a ball last well, it started at 8 p.m. and she left before midnight. She left at midnight. She left at midnight. <laughs> Fine. I don't know anything about France. I mean, during okay. France balls. <laughs> like uh, during this time period on how long their festivities would have lasted. Since I mean, the France. prince seemed surprised that she was running off all of a sudden. So maybe it was supposed to last longer, or maybe he just didn't want her to leave. But. I think it's the later, but like she doesn't, I think the ball may have gone longer, but she had to ditch it out of there. Just so you know, I was right earlier. It is a bustle. Okay. See, it's a B With the hustle and the bustle. I should have known that one. I do think it's really funny because as she's leaving and running away really quickly, the Grand Duke calls her Senorita. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, they're in France. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but they're also not speaking French. So I know, but even if you're going to do... Mademoiselle why, is yeah, what you like, prefer. Why is he calling her senorita? <laughs> uh, I do want to get back to the, the bippity-boppity-boo scene here for a bit, because I do have a couple of notes I want to touch on. Uh, first of all, all these magic words are nonsense, and I love them. Like, 
they had to make up different things that couldn't just be abracadabra, alakazam, and they made really fun nonsense words that I remember as a children, as a children, as a child, I was not able to replicate at all. It was impossible for me to sing this song because I couldn't remember all the made up words that they put into it. Menchikabula? Yeah, that's <laughs> one of them for sure. That sounds like a soup. Yes. Also, I want to mention that her magic is inefficient in that she is transforming mice into a horse and then a horse into a man. Yeah. Where she had a horse to start with. Well, she was giving him a break. She's like, today you get to drive the coach instead of being the horse she, and it was she needed like, yeah, more than one horse off. anyway so she needs them all to match i guess besides the horse gets uh, a day off i just don't understand why bruno is so teeny wait, he so, gets four hours off was the horse the coachman or the footman i don't remember no, the, the horse, horse was the coachman, the coachman so, and bruno so was that's the just footman. even funnier because he's yeah. used to being the one getting whipped well, and that now was he's the doing she, the whipping she was like uh, you get the day off and today you get to to be the one driving the horses or something like that also whipping horses if you do it correctly does not hurt them i know right. said it did this i'm scene just saying also... as someone who has done <laughs> horse stuff this scene also has one of my favorite lines where the fairy godmother says oh don't try to thank me and cinderella replies oh i wasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she has a couple lines that like could come off as very, very snarky. Well, like, I think the one that later was before, at the very end. That was before she even had the dress, wasn't it? Yeah, because yes. she's like, uh, uh the dress? You're missing, you know, my whole thing. And the thing that the, I can wear the to the godmother has completely forgotten about it. And then she looks down and she's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, which is why she's so awful. She doesn't show up on time. When she gets there, she doesn't pay full attention. She had lost her wand. Yeah, she is... She is the ditziest fairy in probably cinema history. But apparently, according to some people, this this transformation scene where the dress switches is one of Walt Di- was one of Walt Disney's favorite animations. Hmm. Oh, that's very nice. Uh, so oh, let's see. Let's get to the ball. We have my note on the prince and how he is just visually uninteresting. Like he has no distinguishing features. He's just generic man. He got some nice hair. <laughs> Nice and slicked back. In yeah, face, but like but... the hair doesn't even have definition. It looks like it was painted on. Don't be mean to the poor Kendall. He tries. <laughs> uh, oh, another great line here. Uh, so see, the prince sees Cinderella who's wandering on the castle because she has no idea where to go. This is when the Duke starts narrating how it's like love at first sight and he takes her in her arms and they dance the night away and then the king <laughs> looks up. so like... He's like smarmy about it. He's like, oh, that would never happen. Yeah. And, and the, the king, king looks like up. Looking it's from like, the distance. The line is, take a look at that, you pompous windbag. <laughs> uh, uh, I, this I scene. feel like these characters were like childhood friends, and this is what their relationship has evolved to. It's like angry old men as Disney yeah. characters. Yeah. Grumpy old men. That's the one. Yes. Yes. With Jack Lemon and. Walter Matthau. Anyway, uh, so is this love? Because it's fairy tale love esque. But they they go, they start dancing, no, and then they be, start harmonizing love? in their heads without making any actual sound. Mm-hmm. And then they then just assume. Away. 
and yeah, he can't like, remember what she looks like in order to find her without putting a shoe on her foot. To well, be fair. he doesn't go looking for her. Yes. The Duke never saw her, at least. And he wouldn't notice her without being like completely dressed up in a he ball. He saw guy. her from a distance and as she was running full speed out of a castle. That's when he saw her. So this is love is the song. That's what it's called. So this is love. Doo, yeah. doo, doo, doo. One of my notes is, girl, you just met him. This ain't love. <laughs> to be fair, he is probably the only human person that has been nice to her since her father died. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, though she doesn't even know that's the prince and she has to go meet the prince. To be fair, this movie has a very, very short period of time in which they could fall in love. And you gotta have the happy ending at the end. Right. Or else you don't have the full story. So Cinderella runs away from him at midnight because she has to go meet the prince. Is she interested in him or is she just giving up this relationship she has started to go meet the more famous guy? Neither. Well, no, she was I, that's making her up an excuse to run away because it was midnight and all of her magic was going to go away. Yeah, and that was the one thing she could think of was, oh, I have to g- go wash my hair, meet the prince, <laughs> shine my shoes. <laughs> shine my glass slippers and and it wasn't necessarily that she had to meet the prince i assume it was more it was traditional if you came to a ball because they were all being introduced to the prince as they came in and she didn't do that because she came in late which is why she didn't know he was the prince and so she probably said was all the eligible women were supposed to meet the prince well well at any any sort of ball that you would have been announced and been um received by whoever was throwing the party and so it was probably the first easy excuse you think of, oh, well, I was rude and I didn't go through this protocol. Oh. That's my excuse to get out of, I've got to go. Yeah, that didn't occur to me at all. I thought she was being completely truthful because she has, previously, we've not seen her with any sort of guile. I thought she was being truthful in that, oh, this night I am supposed to meet the prince. I'm running out of time. I should no, go meet the prince. the clock has already rang. She's out of time and she needs to leave and she can't yeah. be like, hey, I got to leave because my dress is going to turn into a different dress and you're going to think I'm a crazy person. <laughs> like, she can't say that. Even as a truthful, honest, positive person, you cannot say that to someone you just met. You can't be like, hey, I got to go because my carriage is going to turn into a vegetable. Like, well, and it's like, would... oh, yeah. Okay, that's an interesting now. point. It's a fruit, but <laughs> So let's let's talk about that. Had she decided to stay, clearly the she didn't know the prince didn't care of her being poor or whatever. But had she decided to stay, she remains the same, just her clothing changes. Would that be so terrible? It's possible if she didn't come home. Not only would her magic leave, she wouldn't have a way to get home. She would get caught by her stepmother. She would get locked in the tower a lot earlier. She'd be dressed in rags at a formal thing. I don't know what is this kingdom's opinion on magic. Yeah. I am surprised that even when she was going away, and yes, the the plot necessitates this, but I'm surprised like she didn't even give him her name. She gave him no information whatsoever. I think well, she was heavily distracted. Was, as you pointed well, out earlier, she wasn't going there to meet a man. She just wanted to get out of the house and get away to a ball for a while and have fun outside of and work. I mean, so she maybe this... she wasn't expecting it to turn into something else. And but she's having... very... Go ahead. But I think she assumes, oh, when everything gets turned back into its original thing, when I go home, there's no way to re-meet him. I'm going back to my real life, even if mm-hmm. I tell him my name. This was That's just my fair. my one day of fun that I could be out there. And so if I tell him my name, it'll just cause more problems. Let's keep this as my one day of fun that I can imagine fondly when they make me bring tea at six in the morning. 
and leave it at that. All right. That is that is fair. I will I will cede the point because I think you've talked me out of it. Uh so Hey, it works for once. Yeah. <laughs> I well, yeah, you had better ammo. Uh so Let's talk about, besides the plot necessitating it, why do you think the slipper lasts? Out of all the magic, out of the, the pumpkin carriage that should have crushed her because she oh. was inside of it at the time, why does the slipper, why does this last? I have heard a theory on it, and I don't know how true it is. Someone said something about the fact that everything else, but it doesn't make super sense because she was wearing shoes at the time, but that everything else was created for from something else. So it has to be turned back into what it was before. So the pump, the carriage has to go back to the pumpkin, the mice has to go back to the mice, the dress has to go back to the original dress. Someone said, what about the concept that the shoes were made independently? They used probably more magic, but they were shoes unto themselves. They weren't transformed from anything else. And that's mm -hmm. the reason why they can stay. Is because they didn't have to revert back to anything. Which, she was wearing shoes, so they probably got changed from the other shoes. But it was a theory I read once that I thought, hey, that would actually be something that if you were writing, like, a new version of Cinderella, that would make logical sense within the rules of the universe. Yeah, okay, I can buy that. While we're on the subject of shoes, in previous versions of this, in the Grimm's Fairy Tale, I don't know if Charles Perrault changed this for his story, it was previously a gold slipper. In the Peralt version, there's arguments over it because they think maybe it's possible in some of the versions it was a translation issue and it was actually supposed to be fur slippers because the oh, word for fur and the word for glass are very, very similar in French. And that was a translation issue when it got now, translated to English. would a fur slipper be considered fancy? Again, I don't know anything <laughs> about France in this time period. Uh, but probably. Like, it, but I mean, then the stepmother wouldn't have been able to break it at the end. So True. It okay. works well for this narrative. Don't get me wrong. But that is one of the academic arguments, that, that it was a mistranslation. Okay. My final note in the scene, as she is fleeing, uh, they send horses out of out after her, and they are like the demon spawn of <laughs> yeah, hell. Yeah, that is really funny. <laughs> and I... I I don't know if they did it just so they'd have these very, very distinct color differences between the different types of horses, or if it, she didn't know what was going on and thought she was being chased, and it was more <laughs> the horses were being seen from her perspective. But yeah, they are scary looking horses. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a weird animation choice because these are not necessarily the evil characters. They are in pursuit of her to bring her back to the castle, which at the time is not exactly what she wants, but there's no reason to make it seem like these are the most evil creatures in this story. Yeah. Which was why I say maybe it's from her perspective and she's like, oh, they're, um, they're coming to get me. So they're bad horses to me. Because, like, she goes and hides in the gutter. Not they're the basically gutter. the, the gutter. ring rates of <laughs> the, the story. Yes, yes. She's holding the ring because they got transformed into shoes or some such nonsense. <laughs> I like that, like, when it ends, she's just, like, sitting on the pumpkin. She's just, I was like, how does it work? Are you in the pumpkin? Yeah, yeah she was in the, the carriage and then she was on top of it. And then they smash it and it still glitters as they smash it. Oh. All right, so we are nearing the end where they come to test the shoe. Do you guys have any notes before we move on of anything previous to this? Nope, we already talked about the goofy scream. <laughs> well, we're about to get to that, actually, because this is yes. where the king has that weird bed. Uh, my one note here is he has a weird dream about grandchildren in that 
he's imagining playing with them, but like they're not playing hide and seek or using any sort of toy. And he's not like cradling, cradling them as a babe. The one thing he wants to do with grandchildren is to have them ride him like a horse. This is his dream. <laughs> it just, it's a weird note. I don't know. For I've a grandfather to have. Kids. I've I, seen it happen. It's not like the number one thing though. I just think in this scene, knowing the king's anger problems, why does the Grand Duke bury the lead? <laughs> You're right. Because uh, it was all about what? That she got away? Yeah, she got away and we have no name and we don't know how to find her and blah, blah, blah. And going on and on. And the king is like losing it and he's like, oh, but we've got this shoe. We can find the shoe. It's like, start with that. <laughs> so the king doesn't murder you into a lamp so so <laughs> but and then you hands out like 500 cigars and yes. it in half yes. trying to hit him in the head with a sword um I, so this brings up the point that i have heard from in, in multiple places but apparently no one in the entire kingdom has the same size feet as cinderella so uh <laughs> This was dealt more in the Grimm's fairy tale than in this story. But yes, you're right. She has the most unique feet in to the entire fair, kingdom. They are glass, and so they would be completely molded to your foot, these magic glass shoes. Okay, so you're you're imagining this isn't a size issue. This is that it is unique magic. as a fingerprint to yes. your specific so toes. It's, so it's like the same size with everything to like it's completely like form fitting to her foot was more okay. how it's seen, as opposed to like, well, yeah, we're all a size seven, but <laughs> we're not, we don't have the same size feet because a size seven fits within a range. Okay. This is like, this is my form fitted shoe. Because the way they did was in the Grimm's fairy tale, which makes a little more sense, is that every person that fit the shoe would then come meet the prince oh. and the prince would well, recognize no, he did say the person that, didn't he he said everyone who fits the shoe send them to the palace right okay didn't that you could saved? be right did he say yeah that? and per perhaps remember. they get around it because she produces the other shoe and just oh this is obvious clearly you're the one we're here to meet but, he but still i'm trying makes to remember I, I vaguely remember that being a thing yeah, well, Mark, you have to remember, this is, like, one of the most procedural operations in the kingdom. Given that they arrive at the house, they have to read through the entire scroll of what is going on. And then, like, they have to try each of the stepsisters' feet for, like, ten minutes to ensure <laughs> it couldn't possibly be it. And then the guy's, like, on her leg, hitting it with his fist. <laughs> <laughs> that poor, like, footman or whatever who that guy was. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, he reminded me of a little bit like the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. He was a very short and stout and a bit insane. Uh, let's see. So my other note here is after like... Oh, okay, wait. I oh, found yeah, it yeah, go, go, go. So the Grand Duke says, but sire, this slipper may fit any number of girls. The king says, that's his problem. <laughs> and I, he says, you'll try I it on every month. to mean that whatever the first lady that it fits is his wife. But it says, that is the prince's problem. And, but then it says, you'll try it on every maid in the kingdom, and if the shoe fits, bring her in. So uh, my assumption is everyone that it fit on got brought in, and then it was his, the prince's problem to sort them all out. I see. I took that to mean, first come, first serve, we find one lady, that is your wife, we're done with this. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it was more, it's his problem if he has to 
then narrow it down after the shoe. Okay. So there are two more animation notes I want to get to. Uh, when Cinderella learns about the situation, she goes into like these drunk eyes where she oh, just yeah. starts slowly blinking and not really picking up of what is going on. There's a couple times the animation you're like, oh yes, this is old animation and some of the things aren't quite right. Yeah, it does give the sense in today's society that she had smoked something before coming into the room. Yes, yes. Uh, and then my other favorite thing is this is where the mom uses her evil vision to see the truth of the situation because she just kind of stared down Cinderella <laughs> as she is going up into her tower and her, like her green eyes get highlighted and it goes away and it's like she is seeing into the fourth dimension to learn that Cinderella was the princess. I thought it was because Cinderella was singing the song that was at the ball, but... Maybe. But, like, but they give a lot of focus not on the song, but on the mobs looking at the song. The, like, they yeah, highlight her just, eyes yeah. more than her ears. She has this, like, light bulb, evil light bulb moment. Evil light bulb. Though, <laughs> uh, okay, I also want to talk about... So the mom goes up. She locks Cinderella in her room, and she puts the key in her pocket. This is perhaps the most simple key in the world, given that it has two teeth and one space in between. I cannot imagine that Cinderella, the sole person who's taking care of this entire household, doesn't have a way to pick these locks. Or wouldn't have a copy of the key herself. It's like a right. hairpin, something? Yeah, like... She has had to do all of the maintenance on this building for most of her life. I just, I can't see a single door stopping her. Then you wouldn't get the awesome scene with the cats and the mice. Well, I want to talk about that too. Where two mice are carrying this key up like 27 flights yeah. of stairs. This is where her bird friends have just given up on her. Because they could be very helpful here and they just choose not to show up. Oh, actually, it's not the mice necessarily that save the day in this scene. I like, they're very helpful. But it's Bruno. Mm -hmm. Of course. Bruno saves the day. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. I did like, though, the, like, the whole thing trying to get the key out of her pocket. Because they did the little gags with the teapot and the, um... And then he's, like, in her pocket while she sticks her hand in there to grab the key. <laughs> yeah, I liked how in that scene they had, like this old animation trick where you show where the key uh -huh. is, but it also suggests that the mice have x-ray vision. I think it was because they were whispering to each other, but they didn't make it audible dialogue, so they showed the, the key in the pocket oh. and then pointing at it, like, so you would know what they were talking about. All right. The final thing I want to get to is what is the mom's plan? Because she has, she's not good at planning. She's not very conniving. Had she supported Cinderella in the slightest, she would be the mother of the princess of the land. And she wants to do that for her other two children. Mm -hmm. But, like, she refuses to put Cinderella on a pedestal at all. And if she had apologized, like, once, Cinderella would have forgave her for, like, years of punishment. I think it's more this character has pride issues and is like, I don't like this child. I don't care if it helps me in the long run. I will do nothing to help this child, even if it damages me. Because, which I mean, that is something people do. She just, she could not stand it to mm. let there be a win for Cinderella, even if it would maybe get her some rise in status. 
So say Cinderella stayed locked in the tower and they never found her, then what? Oh, I think think Cinderella is just their servant forever then. Like that part of the plan makes sense to some extent, but also like I don't see why she didn't try to get in on this great deal that Cinderella has. I do still think it's just she cannot. Though you mentioned something to us now that made me think of a... An adaptation of this that my girlfriend told me about, where Angelica Houston is playing. Ever after we okay, I, this is I ever talked after. about. I thought it might Drew be that one. Yes, and she so, does try to do that. Yeah, no, I don't think she does. The reason being, the line that my girlfriend told me about was Drew Barrymore asking Angelica Houston, "Oh yeah, was there ever a moment? Was there ever a second where you loved me?" And Angelica Houston replying, "How could you love a pebble in your shoe?" It, it, I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, there's that one we should watch at some point. Because if you want to talk about like where they've expanded and done a really cool original take on it, that's a great movie. And we will get to it because I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. With that, I am out of notes. Do you guys have anything else? Or should we Maybe move it's on a stepsister that tries to beg for forgiveness. Did you also notice we talked about the foreshadowing earlier, but as they're she running out the shoe to at the, the very end, at the end and, she loses and she her kisses, shoe again after She kisses the, wedding. the king on the forehead and he turns red and it's very cute. <laughs> Implying that they will have, she will have a very and good relationship with her father-in-law. Mm-hmm. You kind of mentioned this earlier, but then we never went back to it. The, the opening and closing. Yeah, it, oh, it's, yeah. This was pretty common for the yeah, they did it for Sleeping Snow Beauty White, too, where and they, Sleeping like, Beauty open a book to, and yeah. show the first couple pages before they zoom in and then it turns into the animation. And I really like those. I wish one of the newer ones would do that again, because I just think they're, it's really pretty. It's a beautiful opening way. But Sleeping Beauty did it, too, with the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a nice, nice transition into a fairy tale story. It's it's like someone's, and they have the narration at the, the beginning and end. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like someone is telling the story and then you're going, into the story. And I just mm. think I think it's pretty and cute and I like it. <laughs> yes. I I think it works well as well. Uh also the the mice at the wedding, I have a note that they're dressed like Sergeant Peppers, which I thought was great. <laughs> oh, at the wedding I like that they bring their horse and he's oh, like at yeah. the head of the team of horses, all the like the beautiful horses and they've got their old farm horse and he's yeah. at the front acting so proud and I The horse it. finally gets to be a horse. And but then what so the Tremaine family has nothing? How come yeah. the servant gets to bring all of the animals with her? Because you do what the king says. Damn straight. Plus, like, they weren't going to take care of the horse, Mark. It was just going to die on that farm. I assume that the Tremaines are just going to, if we're ignoring the sequels, that they are slowly going to starve to death because they will not know how to find a new servant and they do not know how to take care of themselves. Yeah, presumably, the mom, after, you know, squandering all of the ki- the Cinderella's father's m- money would then look for another rich husband. You would think. I'm surprised that didn't come up at all. I mean, yeah. granted, it's a children's story, and that's not the point of it. She should have been like, well, you guys can marry the prince, and I hear the king is single. Yeah, I mean, oh, God. See, now that's an interesting take, where Cinderella has her prince, but now she still has the stepmother who hates her. <laughs> Cinderella <laughs> 4. Yeah. 
that would be a more interesting sequel than Dreams Come True. And the third one, which has time travel for some reason? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Magic. I have not seen either of them. I just know that they exist for some and reason. And I, I know that looking at trivia, that for some reason they changed her hair color in the second one. Yeah. What? So it's for some reason just blonde instead of being the kind of reddish blonde that it is in this one. It's just blonde. Huh. All right. Well, I am out for notes. Are you guys ready? I'm good. Let's go on to games. Our first game is the pitch game where we take two properties other than this film, smash them together, and try to compose this film from their remains. Uh, taking any property from the history of film, uh, and doesn't have to be before. Uh, and describing it in the form, it's this meets this. So I'm going to start us off here. Uh, so this is a movie with a female character visited by a fairy godmother forced to obey her cruel caretaker falling in love with a prince. And a movie with a protagonist who talks to rodents and gets them to do their bidding. So it's Ella Enchanted meets Willard. So it's basically Cinderella meets Willard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, it's, um, it's hard to get away from Cinderella I stories. didn't do a single Cinderella story. Well, look at it's you. just my first one, Sarah. I've got others. Okay. Hey, well, I uh, have that one also, so I'm going to start with that. All right. <laughs> because like a young that. girl gets a blessing from a fairy godmother and obeys everything she's told by her mother figure, and a girl forced to servitude by an evil stepmother who talks to animals to keep from being lonely, falls in love with the prince, and lives happily ever after. It's Ella Enchanted meets Snow White. Oh, Okay, so for mine, because it is a girl whose problems are fixed with the help of a pair of shoes, (laughs) and a woman with a magic wand meets a movie where a girl falls in love with a man she does not know is royalty until later, I have The Wizard of Oz meets The Prince and Me. Oh, wow. I don't know if I know The Prince and Me. Don't know if I've ever seen that one. Julia Stiles in it. She falls in love with a guy she meets at college, and then it turns out he's like the Prince of Denmark. Wow. Good pull there. All right. Uh, my second one. This is a classic Disney animated film with a magic user casting spells for human-animal transformation and a protagonist becoming royalty, uh, and a film with mice wearing clothes, living with humans, and pursued by a cat bonding together to defeat their enemies. This is Sword and the Stone meets An American Tale. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> this is two in a row where you steal them. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Basically the same reasons. A yeah. child taken advantage of by family members, does all the chores, becomes royalty at the end. He talks to animals and gets help from a magical friend meets a movie where a young woman is forced to a life of servitude after her father's death, meets and marries Prince Charming, or Ape Charming Prince, and Sword (laughs) in the Stone meets Ever After, which Sarah also mentioned earlier. Oh, man, we're just stealing everything left and right. I know. All right, Sarah, let's go. All right, because it is a woman whose life changes after she changes her clothes, and a woman who has um, a... Benefactor who gives her nice things. I have this was one was a little bit of a stretch. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's pretty woman meets <laughs> Greece. Uh, I what's that one? I was thinking you were gonna do like Mean Girls or something for oh. the first one. Oh no! Yeah, I. <laughs> 
She gets the guy when she switches her clothes. Yeah, I was thinking Pretty Woman, but I thought it referred to the second in your list and not the first. No, it does. Grease is oh. the one that refers to the first. She changes into the slutty oh, outfit the, and she what? gets her guy. All right. Well, you switch the order to confuse the heck out of me. Sorry. All right. Yeah, so it's My Grease meets Pretty Woman. Sorry. Okay. My last one. A fairy tale princess whose stepmother locks her in a tower, who takes care of her household and knows how to use a frying pan, uh, and a cartoon where a cat chases a mouse around a home, getting into a bunch of slapstick shenanigans. It's Tangled meets Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to our second game. I which... would like some um, props for not using any Disney movies in my ones. Oh, see, that's uh, dumb. Congratulations. I've Disney movies in my... Though I was, I was kind of surprised. I was hoping yeah. no one else would come up with Sword in the Stone. But... Well, I couldn't not the the whole bippity boppity boo thing made me yeah. think of that the where he's cleaning with the the dishes and the cups, uh, and then the uh, the animal transformation is also prevalent in both. Yeah. Anyway, so our second game is alternate tagline: a word or phrase you would see on the poster for this film that would describe the theme of the movie, though perhaps missing the point. So before we do this, I have the actual taglines because I remembered to do that this time. Yay! Uh, two of which seem to be arguing with each other because uh, one of them is Cinderella, greatest love story ever told. The second is Cinderella, greatest since Snow White. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Some are... There's about seven. I'll do two more. Uh, Cinderella, a love story with music. The most generic tagline. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and finally, Cinderella, midnight never strikes when you're in love. But it did. Yes. I mean, that's the whole plot is that <laughs> it does Maybe they broke come. the clock after they got married. But <laughs> nobody in the town can know what time it is. <laughs> Uh, by the king's things. decree, the time is always 6.45. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. So, Hill Valley. Uh, <laughs> very nice. Uh, my first one here uh, is a dumb pun, but I couldn't get around it this time. Oh, don't you uh, do it. <laughs> it's Cinderella putting the glass shoe on the other foot. I also have a shoe pun. <laughs> Carl? We're not really a pun. <laughs> no way! No <laughs> way, Mark! <laughs> it was it was not exactly the same, okay. but oh, no. definitely similar. I, okay. it, I I couldn't come up with... I didn't have the glass shoe part in it. It just okay. said, see what happens when the shoe is on the other foot. <laughs> should we, should wow. we finish this with my shoe one? Yes, yes, please. Cinderella, a hopeless romantic, if the shoe fits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> so this one refers uh, back to the Grimm's fairy tale. It's uh, Cinderella, now with 90% less body horror. <laughs> so, uh, okay. A girl and her shoe, soulmates forever. <laughs> mm. Looking back, my second one I even one spelled make- it S-O-L-E. Very nice. <laughs> well done. I will make sure to update the Facebook with that. Great. Um, looking back, my second one doesn't make much sense, and I don't know why I wrote it. No, we have to hear it. Cinderella, it's for the birds. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. There's uh, a lot of birds. There's there are birds a lot of birds. The grim one. All right. My final one is... Um, it refers to her 
coming in the nick of time and the midnight she is trying to avoid. It's Cinderella finding love at the 11th hour. Sarah is shaking her head. Mark is nodding. He said in approval. <laughs> so we have a split vote on this one. I mean, All right. I mean, really, it was the 12th hour. Well, or she the, had to find it at the 11th hour. Depending on what midnight. time you use, it was the 0th hour. Fine, but it, <laughs> it had to happen before midnight. I guess. Which is specifically what that phrase refers to. Because after midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. Oh. That's true. That is on the schedule. All right. <laughs> Mark, why don't you start us off so I don't steal your guide game? Oh, I'm sure you won't. All right. Oh, um, oh, sorry, let me bring it in. I forgot to introduce that. So our third game is the TV Guide game, which gives a description of the plot of the film, much like you would see in a TV Guide or a Netflix description, though hopefully missing the point. Mark, go ahead and start us off. Well, now I have to decide which one. All of them at once. All of them at once. Overlapping. A widowed mother tries to give her daughters the best life she can, but despite her efforts, her plan is ruined when the maid steals the prince whom she wanted her daughters to marry. <laughs> Very nice. Sarah, why don't you go ahead? A woman's delusions of talking animals is ignored because of a great fashion sense. <laughs> Uh, I have one very similar to that though a bit more depressing um, though I'll do that one second my first one is the story of a once wealthy family finally losing their last servant as their home is increasingly infested with vermin oh that's me again isn't yeah it, it is <clears throat> mine is not not the same but but not well not you'll completely see. different a colony of mice befriend a lonely servant girl, and in exchange, she protects them from the house owner's cat. Aww. Yeah, it's very sweet. That's nice. Aww. House owner, homeowner's cat. Same thing. Yeah, it could be both. All right, Sarah, you got one more? A man ignores his work duties to meddle in his son's love life. <laughs> oh, my bottom one. A young girl who daydreams to avoid the crippling reality of her situation, believing she sees talking mice and fairies, slowly losing her last grips on sanity and descending into a madness where she is royalty. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, it's yeah. going to close it up for games. Let's go on to reviews. I am going to have to pull up the list. So one of you, why don't you start us off on our first scale, which is the potato scale, uh, giving people an emotional review of the film, uh, the emotions it evokes in you while you're watching it in terms of our relationships with potatoes. Mashed potatoes. Just mashed potatoes. Just mashed potatoes. That was a quick answer. Succinct. I prepared you guys and well, wrote it down before. I have mine written down too but you just very matter of fact and with no explanation of why yes <laughs> would you like to give us an explanation or explain <laughs> it, to possibly a new listener what that means it means homey it's just it's a nice like it's a fairy tale movie it's pretty it has songs that I sang throughout my childhood it just makes me happy and reminds me of my childhood I like it it makes hmm. me happy so I somewhat agree with that. Um, I think as a kid, I remember it being a, a, a love story that I enjoyed, and at the end, everybody lives happily ever after, except for the evil people. Um, <laughs> so I, I thought about that, but watching through it now, I kind of had the same thing as Carl, where I started to get bored throughout the middle of the movie. <laughs> 
and kind of stop paying attention for a while. Although I also know the story pretty well, so it's you don't really need to pay attention that much. Um, so it may be more of a kid movie, and along with that, since it's a kid movie and watching it now, I didn't like it as much. I had to be spoiled with age. So mm. I named this Mashed Tater Tots with Eyes. <laughs> That's disgusting. It sure <laughs> is. Um, let's see. So the emotions that got evoked in me, I am going to have to agree with Mark on a bunch of his. Uh, I think Potato Skins describes it. Or no, not Potato Skins. Oven Baked Potatoes. Because it does take a while to get into the story and to get started and to get it really moving. A lot of it is just the day in life of Cinderella. Uh, also... Uh, let's see what I had another one here. Hmm. Yeah, I think the mashed potatoes is in there. We don't have one to really describe what I'm looking for, but it's close enough. It does give you the homey and heartwarming uh, feeling. It is surprisingly effective in that it made me care about her dress, which is not something that I've cared about in most other films. Um, oh, the other one I was looking for was hash browns, which means couldn't finish it because I had to take a break in the middle because I was so bored. So I guess, oh boy, so hash brown potatoes um, that are mashed. There we go. That is my <laughs> review. <laughs> mashed hash browns. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever used that one before. I think we may have. I think Sarah had to watch one of the films in bite-sized pieces. I think it was Man of the House. That was probably it, yes. Sarah is a marker corn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nobody will know what that means, but okay. Just think of what you think it is. You nailed it. Um, So let's go on to our second scale, which is a rewatchability scale. Zero to ten rating would whether our listeners should go back and revisit this film. So what do you guys have on that scale? Eight and a half. I just, I think people should watch it. I think it's great. I think if you're like me and you like fairy tales and you like beautiful art and you like happy endings, you'll probably enjoy watching it again. Mm -hmm. It's not my favorite Disney one. It's probably somewhere near the middle. It's not Mm -hmm. my least favorite either. Snow White. Um, You you and Aaron. Something about her voice just really bothers me. (laughs) And I think Aaron's probably the same way because we have similar opinions on very, very high-pitched sopranos. Um, That was on purpose, though. I know, but it just bothers me. I can't deal with it. She sounds like a chipmunk. (laughs) (laughs) More than the mice do? Probably about the same. (laughs) So I... If you have kids, or if you remember this being a nostalgic movie from growing up and you want to watch it again, I definitely think it's worth it. Um, As Carl and I both pointed out, it can get a little long and boring in the middle, so you may have to be patient with it. Although, I mean, if you're into the classic Disney movies, you will probably enjoy watching it anyway. So I would probably also give it an 8. 
Yeah, I think I'm right around there myself. Um, Because there are really great classic animation uh, pieces in this. Like we talked about the bubble scene. There's the magic casting. There's the mice running around the kitchen. They're all really fun to watch. And they are visually interesting. And that stuff holds up from more than five decades ago. So that to me is pretty amazing. Um, the story is a bit lacking. The, the prince has no personality. The, the Cinderella barely does anything on her own. It's all other characters doing it for her. But it is an older style story. It is you know made from a classic fairy tale. And it's Disney's take on it that they made in the 1950s. So I think there's a lot to forgive in the story pacing. Given that this is such an old movie. Yeah, it was more stylistic of the time than it is necessarily just something that was mm-hmm. wrong. Because yeah. if you compare it to Sleeping Beauty and Snow White, it they have pretty, I think, similar pacing well, as again, well. Again, it was more about the artisticness of yeah. it than yeah. the story and the characters. So. so, I mean, if you can accept that this will not be as, uh, you know, as quick of a story as modern Disney films or even the films of the Disney Renaissance, if you go in with that mindset, you will be pleasantly surprised. So I'm going to give it a nine with a caveat that you have to know what you're getting into. But yeah, that's my review. All right, Uh, Sarah, why don't you give people our social media and give a nice shout out to one of our fans. All right. So you can find us at, Retrograding podcast at on Facebook. You can find each other, other lure, listeners and fans at Retrograding Party Line. You can find our website at retrograding.fireside.fm or you can just look us up at Retrograding on iTunes. Give us a like, a review, a share, whatever. Just get us out there. Share us with your friends. Make them maybe your enemies. I don't know. Hopefully wow. not. Wow. Shot. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Um, and we want to give a shout out to Clarissa Vinzi, who guessed our hint of the week for Hocus Pocus in mm-hmm. two hints, which I'm very mad at her about, but that's okay. <laughs> She'll just owe me tacos. Um, but so yes, congratulations. Her reward is already owing you food. <laughs> it's true. So congratulations, Clarissa. You did a great job. Yes. To be clear to our listeners, that is not the only prize. Uh, you can get messages read on air if you guess it. Uh, though Clarissa uh, opted out of that this week. So. But I still want tacos. Yeah, so our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her at Dominique A. Barnes on SoundCloud if you'd like to contact her or know more. And we're going to finish off with our final segment, which is, guys, I learned something today. A lesson I picked up from this film. Uh, Is it that you love dresses now? Yeah, it's surprising. I might try them on myself. uh, Try to get mice to sew them for me, which is the only tailors I'm aware of. Um... But it actually goes with after her dress gets ripped, after all of this stuff, after she has the last straw is when the fairy godmother shows up. So my lesson from this is that nothing good can happen until you've given up hope. So that's going to close out this episode of Retrograding. Uh, Join us next time. We'll see you then.
have to remember to do these in the right order because I wrote them down in the wrong order because that's the order they came to my head. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a short episode. We like to talk about the movie. It's just hard to do games for it. Yeah, putting an M for me doesn't help. Then <laughs> it's the same M for Mark. MMs. Yes, M&Ms. My taglines are terrible. Good, good and great.